Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Investor Frame podcast. I'm your host, Paul Sparks. And on this show, we ask successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs to share their stories so we can all learn from their experiences and get closer to the things that we want in life. Today, I'm here with Max Vollmer. Max is a 24-year-old real estate investor. He's a world-class track and field athlete from the University of Oregon. That's when I met Max was he was uh, still competing at a really, really high level. I think he is still. Um, but he started real estate as a full-time college student. Uh, he got into wholesaling vacant land across the United States. Again, that's where I met Max. And he just completely exploded that business. He got into fix and flips, turnkeys, rentals. Now he's got a fully operational business. He lives in Tampa with his wife. They're business partners uh, with 35 employees. He's syndicating deals all over the nation, raising money for private equity from Europe, taking some incredible things. And now he's also got a coaching business where he's teaching young investors and entrepreneurs how to uh, make money in a recession and how to use creative financing and different things like this. It's an incredible story he's got. Max, welcome into the show, my friend. Thanks for having me. And thanks yeah, for man. the introduction. You didn't miss anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you well. You were one of the first 10, as we say in the Whale Club, one of the first right. guys who kind of came in. Um, you've been with you know me in that community, and I'm fortunate to have you uh, as part of that. So I've gotten to know you pretty well over the last uh, year or two. And man, I'm just a huge fan of what you're doing. Same here because, you know, when we first met, I saw the things you've done and where you, where you are right now, you've grown tremendously and I'm, I'm proud of you too. I wanted to say that to you after I saw your stories the other day with that new development, proud where you're going and what you've done so far. Yeah, well, thanks. I appreciate that, man. Um, so we always start this show off with uh, having our guests share a six-word update. So what is your six-word update today? Patient is the key to success. Mm. That is uh, what I've learned over the last couple of weeks. Uh, more than ever, patient is obviously one of my total weaknesses. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's like a thing when you're young that just you don't want to be patient. Everything needs to happen right away. I think I've done a lot of you know mistakes in our business by not being patient enough and learning that we, we talked briefly before that good things take time. Right now, doing some multifamilies, doing new construction, all these things are, you know, projects where you need a lot of patience but you know that that is going to be the key to success and sometimes just being patient and holding off uh it will, will pay off a lot more in the future so that is something you have to learn in entrepreneurship that patient you know most most of us are not going to be a one-night wonder overnight being crazy successful it takes patience and consistency and um you know that's what my six word update you know, and I couldn't agree more with that. It's not something that is easy, though, for a lot of us entrepreneurs to be patient. Um, why do you think that is? Well, I think, you know, I guess in my perspective is it's about, you know, patience really has to do with, with income and with like projects you're doing, right? And your your expenses are not patient. <laughs> right? They go out of your bank account every single month. There's no patience. Like they don't wait. So, but when you have like, you know, to jiggle that, you have expenses and you have to be patiently waiting for like projects and have to bridge them somewhere. That is where it's, you know, getting, um, and obviously the opportunity costs, right? If you're making money right away, you could go around, turn around that into a different project and multiply. If you're waiting on opportunities because it takes a while to complete, you have this opportunity cost of not having access to these funds immediately, right? So there's a you know, you're losing against inflation, you're losing the opportunity costs. So I think just knowing all these factors just keeps us away from like being patient and just sometimes, you know, going too quick with certain decisions. 
Yeah. Well, that's certainly true. You know, you, you, it's like you, you throw a bunch of money out and then we have like you, I'm going to ask you to tell me a little bit about yourself and some of your businesses and things like this, but you know, you got started wholesaling vacant land. I would imagine those are fairly quick deals, right? And you're, you're finding the land, you're turning it around within a month or two, maybe even faster in certain cases, you know, you're Mm -hmm. spending money on marketing time resources to cold call these sellers, find this opportunity, get it under contract, convert it. That's all fairly quick. Um, But if you want to, continue growing your business. And it sounds like what you've done is you've just moved into larger deals. I know you're doing some developments down. Uh, you're telling me about this. Uh, I think it was, was it 19, 20 units in Sarasota? Yeah. Yeah. These deals just take time and it's a different mindset from wholesaling vacant land to uh, taking down a, you know, a multi-million dollar development project in Sarasota. So tell me a little bit about your uh, your business now and how it's evolved from when you got started just a few years ago? Well, it has evolved a lot, right? I mean, when we initially started, we started with absolutely nothing. We had $76 in our bank. We were college students. We had no idea about real estate. Um, and, you know, it, it was meant to be, uh, I was not able to work the traditional way. So I guess long story short, COVID hit. Um, my wife and I got married early while being in college and she was working as a server. She was not able to make any money because in Oregon, they were shutting down for months. And I was still at that point in time, uh, F1 student visa until then I got the green card a couple months later. But so I wasn't even able to work legally, if, even if I tried to, you know, go and find a basic job. So I we had no income at all, even if we tried to get there. So we had to figure something out. And ultimately, the only solution was entrepreneurship, right? Doing your own business, not being employed. Um, <clears throat> so we, we, you know, got pushed to a certain degree. We had to pivot in that direction. And I'm glad for you know, everything that happened. It was definitely tough during those times. But ultimately, when you push to the wall, you're getting more creative with solutions. So we started real estate with absolutely no background knowledge, no connections and whatsoever. Um, and ultimately, of course, wholesaling is probably the, the most feasible way to get started in real estate. It's you know not really capital intensive and you don't really have, have a chance to fail. Right? You're getting a property on a contract, worst case you back out. So you have a high security there. Of course, it's it's there's a lot of people doing it. So it's not necessarily something there's a lot of value to be made there, but it was feasible for us to start. And I guess the reason why we started with vacant land is because at that point in time, there was a shortage in housing inventory. COVID just happened. People are moving out of the bigger cities into the suburban areas. So we had obviously a shortage in housing, but a bunch of land available. And we came in and pretty much picked up these vacant pieces and were selling it to developers or retail buyers. So it was a niche within that industry. Um, the housing was just super competitive. So we took advantage of just seeing something other people were not seeing at that point in time and allowed us to, first of all, you know, make money so we could survive. And then second to pivot from that stress that you have as a college student going to your senior year of like, you know, where should I apply? What job should I go and, and try to attack? And um, obviously then going to say, hey, I'm going to do my own business. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And um that was really stressful, right? It was stressful for our parents, right? Because they're like not entrepreneurs, so they didn't understand the whole sure. philosophy up first. <laughs> now they do, but you know, when we started, Katie and I, we told us, you know, if we can make seventy thousand dollars with that in a year, then we're not even going to focus on our resume or anything like that, because ultimately, it's one of the odds not going to Stanford, Harvard, anything like that that you get out of your, you know, first year of college, like something six figures or above. It's not 
likely. Of course, he can get there, but the, the odds are very unlikely. So I was like, okay, if he can make that, um, then I just focus more on that and ultimately I will make more money. So we focus on that. We learned a lot from wholesale. It was a way for us to get into real estate, get to know people and really build our expertise, but it was never something that we really like passionately enjoyed because it was really active. Right? We did a lot of the stuff up front ourselves, like the whole cold calling and sending offers. So you always had to spend money. You always had to be active. And if you don't do anything for a month, like your business just froze, right? There was no passive income. It's really, really active. It was really draining by, you know, jiggling school, jiggling sport, doing the business ourselves at the beginning. It was, it was extremely draining. Um, but we had to do it because it was necessary, but we had to survive and make money. But ultimately our goal was always, you know, going into like bigger projects, multifamily. Um, and we, we almost saw it like as in transition, right? We'd be starting with wholesaling, we're doing fix and flips, we're doing renovations, and then we gradually transition into, into multifamily. Um, last year, we went really, really hard on, on scaling our business. Uh, like you mentioned, we had 35 employees. And we're focusing on wholesaling houses, wholesaling land, uh, doing a lot of fix and flips. We've probably done like 10, 15 deals a month, um, right around, you know, when the interest rates were still feasible. And then until pretty much, I would say September. And then we all got hit right, with, the, with the same, you know, industry, um, industry-wide, we got hit. So we had that same, it wasn't as bad as other markets. Tampa was pretty consistent still, but we just had no inventory anymore. Everyone's kind of waiting on what's happening. And for me, that was like the, the wake up, but right? we always talk about the solvable problem and our business was slowing down. We had, you know, massive expenses by having all these employees and marketing expenses. So it took some time over Christmas break and I was just sitting down and realizing, you know, is this what I do want to go in and like really focus on building this and, you know, putting everything into that or, or not, right? And then I realized it wasn't really my solvable problem. The reason why we started that business was because you wanted to be free work from anywhere, travel the world, be independent, right? And to some degree, sure, we were independent. There was no boss, you know, telling us what to do, but we were really sucked in. We had to, like, you know, go to an actual office. We had an office downtown in Tampa, so we left every single morning to go there, stuck in traffic. So I almost felt like being an employee. And you had to deal with, you know, the day-to-day, -day, Monday through Friday, employees, employee issues. And on the weekends, you still got to put some fires out. So it was really draining. And then you still cannot just travel because you don't want, you know, if you travel, nobody's getting work done. It seems like, yeah. <laughs> if, you know, if you're not in the office, nobody does anything. So <laughs> we just made the decision of, you know, let's, let's focus on the things you're really passionate about. And ultimately with the market slowing down, it made a lot of sense for us to scale down in the single family side um, and really just focus on selective flips, acquiring cash flowing rentals and kind of turning everything around from going direct to seller acquisition and spending all this money on marketing to so just going into a relationship business with realtors, wholesalers and everyone out there and just being the end buyer, right? They can do all their marketing and all their negotiation. They bring us a deal, we buy it. I'm happy to pay an assignment fee because ultimately it's going to cost me somewhat the same amount of money um, each yeah. month, but I don't, have, I don't have to break even. So we changed that business. So the acquisition is mainly run through relationships. We still have the in-house construction team. Um, we have like, 11 employees now with 35 and mainly focusing on you know syndications because that is like what i personally really enjoy uh katie really enjoys the short-term rental side of things you know getting long-term rentals converting them to short-term through creative designs and placement so she has been focusing on that which florida has a great market to do so and i've been focusing on you know, raising capital and finding uh big opportunities and being patient to find these uh you know bigger opportunities that you may want to a year um, but ultimately make a lot more money once they're completed. Yeah. 
yeah, you and I have a lot in common, man. It's like, there's a lot of, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a great place to get started in real estate, wholesaling, you know, because I'm not saying that you can't start by syndicating deals, not saying that, but it's certainly like a lower, a lower barrier of entry to come in, you know, buy a list, pick up the phone and start calling people. Right. Um, and what I love so much about what you just said is that the big transition was through relationships, right? When you start realizing that actually when you've been doing this for a while, you've probably built up quite a few relationships and (laughs) it's either you can spend $15,000, you know, of course you're probably going to spend less than that. If your business is to find off market deals, it's probably not going to cost you 15 grand. Um, but it might in terms of the time that you spend on it. And it might in terms of like when you add everything up, like it might cost you that. And you start oh, yeah. realizing like, well, what if I could just pay you 15 grand to go do all that work and I'll just be the end buyer and I'll just buy these things from you. Um, and I love that you made that transition. I think that's a pretty natural transition for a lot of people as they start to grow and realize that the you know the power of capital and the power of relationships, we just, you know, another way to just describe leverage. There's just a lot of leverage there, uh, mm-hmm. capital relationships, things like this. And, you know, of course now you're, you're syndicating deals and doing all this sort of stuff. Um, I'm curious to hear how you think of the barbell. You're one of the first, you know, one of the first 10 in the whale club when we've really first started talking about this concept of a barbell, do you mind explaining how you think of the barbell and then, well, let's just start there. What, when we think of the barbell strategy, what does that mean to you? Well, I mean, you always had the philosophy in sports that you cannot lift heavy weights if you have more weight on one side than on the other. Ultimately, you're going to fall or your weights are going to slip off, right? And that's just the same thing, obviously, in sports, <laughs> if you try to lift weights, but also in business, right? If you have, you have to have a natural balance with the things you do. Um, and that applies to multiple ways, right? It can apply to like risk versus security. You know, how are you going to balance it? How much risk you're going to take? It can apply with just like time management. Are you going to focus your time on? Are you going to, you know, stack your time on each side? Because um, we all only have 24 hours in um, projects that you focus on, right? Same thing, like where, where are you going to put that bubble so you can lift it so it's not too heavy on one side? Um, you know, if you put all the focus on single family and do some multi-family here, it's most likely going to slip if you don't have a system that allows you to do both efficiently, because then you just have too much focus here and then the multifamily is going to slip, right? So the, the equal amount of finding where is it balanced that you can lift and manage the, the weight, the pressure, the risk or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, no, really well said. Um, balance doesn't always mean, so in my mind, it does need to be balanced. But what I started learning is like, but it doesn't mean that if you do a hundred single family deals, you need to do a hundred big deals. Let's say that this was whatever. It's like you could have a hundred single family deals that equal five big development deals. And that is balanced. Right. Um, So that took me a little while to think through is balance doesn't always mean 50, 50. It, it can mean um, different things, but tell me a little bit about how, you have, you know, kind of managed through that framework and where, what sits on what side of the barbell for you now? Mm-hmm. It wasn't easy. It's easier said than done. Like the whole barbell, like trying to find the right balance. Um, 
and these are things we have learned and of course we, we went fairly quickly from a to b of where we are which mainly because we, we connected with the right people we and we just you know learn things from people that have been years and decades ahead of us right that's how we got yeah. into multi-family you talk to people that have done it thousands of times and you can learn but um ultimately the beginning right i was focusing on all of it and um, my brother was totally screwed um i had school sports and a wholesale business i tried to learn about fix and flips and it was just like it was just like too much weight on uh, it wasn't equalized and you know you burn out you're basically uh running yes. in a red race um and you're not really gonna get anywhere even though you are busy and you're getting stuff done and you're consistently working and you're growing, but ultimately it's a healthy growth, right? You're overlifting yourself. And um, it wasn't really easy to realize that, right? Because first of all, you don't have the background experience, but being young, have not been doing it for decades. And you're you know, always thinking like, well, I can do it. I can do this and this and that. And it was a lot of curiosity at the beginning. I wanted to like do it all. Um, there was a goal I had, but a lot of people talk about shiny objects in syndrome. Don't do like, you know, things that look shiny. I purposely wanted to go from flipping land to then flipping houses, to renovating houses, to making rentals, to syndicating apartments, to building apartments. I wanted to learn it all because like, how would I know what I'm really passionate about if I haven't done it, right? I would, if I always stick to wholesale land, I don't know if I would like new construction if I don't do it right so it goes both ways I just wanted to learn it and to really figure out where it's going to be in my body like how do I balance really my time my effort uh, and my energy and like our business and our growth and so we have done a lot of these things we've learned a lot from it and we've seen what we like we've seen what we don't like to really balance it out and what I like is well guess going back to like the solve of a problem Real estate was the, the the goal for us is like building something passive where I can sit back on and have, you know, be recession proof. That's sort of the thing I've learned right now with the recession, right? We had an active wholesale business and we got whooped pretty hard by it slowing down. And all of a sudden you don't have the same numbers anymore than you had quarter one, the quarter before, because you're so reliant to market demand and you're still spending the same amount of money and you have to really pivot and you have to be really extremely good at what you're doing. But ultimately you don't have anything passive to fall back to but rentals anything that you own you have something passive plus it's a legacy investment that's really important to me it's putting something into a legacy so i know if i'm going to pass away my kids have something to fall back to too so it's a safety net for generations and that's what real estate allows you to do in the long run is to have a, a, a nest egg for generation wealth so that's the ultimate goal so getting there is obviously acquiring rentals so doing selective fix and flips that have you know long-term appreciation or cash flow components to it or doing syndications in the multifamily space that have potential to upside so that was always the the goal so we pivoted that knowledge that we had on one side of the barbell really focusing selectively on these things that have like a long-term outlook not necessarily the quick flips the small volume this makes sense in the next five ten years to hold but this makes sense as a five-year you know value at appreciation um, syndication project and on the other side we have the thing that we are really passionate about and it's that's the coaching business right we have a lot of knowledge by the things we've done so even though we have slowed down doing active wholesales there's still a lot of people that we can impact and help through the systems process and networks that we have to help them succeed and break out of the system right ultimately we got to where we are right now because we had amazing people around us that helped us go through the struggle and realize the things that that we um, you know, did wrong. And there's nothing really possible that we could do to give back to those guys that have helped us. Um, the only thing you can really do is give back to the community and other people around us to help know somebody else. You know, it's like a cycle effect that starts there and you're just giving back to somebody. 
because I cannot go back to my mentors. Like, how would I add value to them, right? And I've asked one of my mentors once, you know, how can I add value? You've given me so much and, you know, what can I possibly do for you? And he said, there's nothing you can do, but eventually someday you can do something for somebody else mm. and help them, um, you know, do the same thing you've accomplished. And that really triggered with me. And I was never really sure, like, when I will be ready to, like, have enough, you know, credibility to go into coaching. And I was always waiting for this, like, next deal, you know, that, that X in the future until I realized that where we are right now, we can inspire a certain target group already. We've done a lot of things. And I'm confident that I can help people to be successful. So our Barber is really focused just on the um, the coaching side of things, helping people there. And then for us, building the legacy portfolio um, in the long run. Yeah, man, it's it's a great barbell. On one side, you've got things that you're you're locking in, kind of your, as you call it, your legacy. You know, it's the it doesn't, in my opinion, of course, I think you and I are biased, but like it doesn't get much more reliable than real estate over the long term, holding these assets for decades at a time. I mean, it, I just I'm not aware of anything more reliable with that same level of cash flow and upside and things like this. And that's where we've chosen to park the majority of our wealth, right? Of course, you're a young man as, as just like, you know, you're, you're, you're younger than me, but uh, you know, as we continue to build our wealth out there in real estate, eventually we'll start diversifying into other, you know, things we were talking before the show started about infinite banking. Um, you and I mess around with a bunch of DeFi and crypto stuff. And it's like, there's all these, you know, things that eventually you can start diversifying into once you've built that reliable passive income. But it starts for a lot of us with real estate. So you've, you're locking that in, you're buying these rentals, these short-term rentals. Um, and then on the other side, you've got this new stuff that you're doing, the coaching business, the syndications, the developments, these types of things, you know, um, and this is the stuff. I, I almost sort of think barbells sometimes as like, cash and cash flow, right? Like mm -hmm. on one side, I want to make a bunch of cash. Those are things we start out with wholesaling land or flipping houses or doing things like this. And then you start getting more experience and you realize actually there's other cash generating activities that you can do that have so much more upside. And if you do it right, the downside is actually the same, right? So why wouldn't we want to make those bets? Coaching, developments, businesses, I'm finding myself into the same sort of category. That's what Whale Club is for me. I'm starting to do these developments and things. I think it makes a fantastic way to generate cash, but it's still fairly active in a lot of ways, right? So you also have to have that, that reliable side of your barbell where you're constantly locking in uh, your wealth. And I want to go back to something that you also said earlier, which I really like, which is the idea of... When you first start out, like you don't necessarily know what you like and what you don't like. You know, I used to I used to call this pressing buttons. You know, sometimes I just need to press the like there's a button and I'm going to press it. Why? Because I need to know what happens when I press this button. Like that's it. I need to know what flips are like. I need to know what wholesales are like. Why? Because I'm just I'm fairly curious. Is that similar to you? Are you the types of person that just I got to press these buttons cuz I got to know how it works? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, with everything you've done in real estate, and it's just like how our story has been, how we've transitioned, right? It's like raising capital. It's like, okay, I just want to, even if I only raise $100,000, at least I want to have done it once. I want to know how it works. 
so I can see if I like it or if I'm good at it or, you know, learn the lessons from it and move on. So with everything we've done, it was like, I just want to at least do one. Obviously, we've done way more than one then because we got, we tasted it and be like, okay, this makes sense. It makes money. Let's continue doing it and just get really good at it. So we can kind of graduate into the, the next level. Um, as you mentioned at the beginning, like you don't have to do it. Like some people go in straight into the multifamily and do crazy projects and you don't have to do all the single family up front. But for me, it was like from where I was coming from with no experience, it was like a natural, a natural graduation going from one to the other. Um, and the, the curiosity, right? I'm, I'm a person that is always looking to educate yourself because I think we never stop learning and uh, you can never learn better than actually doing it, right? I've, I've basically understood everything about real estate from talking to other people. And it's like, okay, I understand how it's, you know, going, how, how, do you, how you need to do it, how you need to think about it. But now I still need to do a deal so I actually see how it really feels and, you know, what other challenges you have, right? You can explain to somebody a fix and flip or syndication, like, oh, I, I get it. But doing it is a whole different thing. Mm -hmm. So I realized that and I was like, I understand it. Now I want to do it so I can learn it and get even better at it and then see what I really like and, you know, where do I want to spend the next 15 years, 20 years in real estate because that's obviously our, our passion. It's our profession. We spend most of our days and, and weeks doing that. So it has to be something that we love and we love real estate. But even in real estate, there's so many ventures that you can do. Um, and a lot of people get stuck in wholesale because it's feasible. Everyone teaches it. And then market's turning. They don't see the same numbers anymore. They don't know what to do. And then they go back to getting a job. But right? because they've never tried any other ventures and realized that it's just as easy to enter if you change your mindset and you're open for you know learning and getting started and, you know, building relationships again and kind of like, you know, doing the, the necessary things that are needed to be successful in that niche. Mm -hmm. You must be reading off my notes here as, as I was, as listening to you talk, I was taking a note and then you said the word I said, I wrote the effect of being curious, meaning, and like the impact of being curious. Um, I found that that quality has served me extremely well in business. I'm just fairly curious. Like, why do I press buttons? Because I need to know what happens when I press it. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're saying right now is like, that's contributed to your success because how can you know what you like and what you don't like until you try it all, right. you know? But there's a certain way to kind of try it all without going all in, right? Um, I'm not a huge fan of burning the boats and going all in on one strategy. I would, I would argue that if you had done that, you probably wouldn't have been so nimble moving from opportunity to opportunity to opportunity because you start realizing like, oh, wholesaling land. Okay, cool. Great way to make money, but I'm not so attached to it that I can't see these other opportunities. Then you see this next opportunity. You're like, you know what? It's actually probably a little easier if we do it this way. And because you're so curious, you're able to kind of uh, Nimble is the right is the word I keep thinking of. It's like you're able to move from opportunity to opportunity. And it and it's I think it's probably contributed to how quickly you have progressed because you've just remained curious about the whole process. Um, and I think that's uh that's awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing is definitely like the network, right? It's because there's a lot of scarcity with this real estate. Once you know, wholesale obviously has one thing to it, but fix and flip is like, oh no, no, I own a house. Um you know, I'm liable to a loan. I have to get a bridge loan. I have to handle construction. And then multifamily, you know, there's all of a sudden like two, three more zeros on everything that you do. And it's like, you know, but ultimately for me, it was like, I was curious, but just also that was helping me to not be scared of something. And then just being surrounded, you and I are surrounded by amazing people. You know, multifamily is an example. I talked to guys that have 
that own and operate three to 5,000 doors. So it's something where you might think that's absolutely impossible. How can one person, you know, have so much doors underneath them? And then you talk to somebody that does it and you're like, holy moly, like this is like, this guy is, you know, just like me. He started, uh, you know, learned a story, you see how they have done it, how many years it takes to build it. And then for me, it was just like the curiosity is like, you know, I look up to you. I always have respect for everyone who's ahead of me. And, and um, I'm always like, hey, can I just learn from you everything that you have and then add value to you with something that you need in your business, right? Learn, teach me how to find deals in the multifamily space and I'll bring you a deal. Maybe we can do something together, right? So it's how I got started because you got also got to learn how to like underwrite multifamily, how to run Excel sheets and forecasts and talk to, you know, commercial brokers. And for me, it was just a curiosity that kind of, dive me in there i was scared of it because it is different and you have to like you know obviously know what you're doing but uh, we both have a great network of people that are willing to teach you the things and help help you guide through the process and then you just have to take that knowledge because if knowledge without being applied is, is worthless right so you can sure. read a book learn something you don't do something about it you might as well not read the book so <laughs> yeah it was for agreed. me okay i got the knowledge and i was like okay now i need to apply so i had this this, this curiosity again that was putting pressure on me internally like okay let's find a deal because i was so excited you know once i connect all the dots and it was you know the picture all of a sudden had, had color in my head and i was like now i understand how to do multifamily all right, let's find a multifamily deal so we can actually do it and learn it and you know do the entire process and um i wouldn't say it's for everyone like you mentioned there's there's people that just you know shouldn't do that because it's also risky you know going all in and something like that we went all in but we also had the right network around us to know that we're doing the right things and if i have questions i can go back to somebody who's an expert who can help me guide through the issues right so i wouldn't like it was an educated risk um that we've taken an educated effort because of curiosity and being surrounded by by the right people um and it goes back to the first things we discussed real estate is all about relationships you, your network is your net worth so surround yourself with like-minded people and take that as a leverage to be successful yeah man so you're a national champion and the decathlete right? Which is the person who does all of the things. <laughs> I think that's pretty telling about you as a person. Um, not only your ability to be a champion, but as someone who like wants to try it all. Um, I think one of the things I've started saying is I like to play business like a sport. Mm -hmm. You are, uh, again, a national champion athlete. What does that mean to you playing business like a sport? Well, what I can tell you is that I would not be here today where I'm without being the athlete I was. Uh, it has taught me everything, all the foundation I've needed to be an entrepreneur and be the person I am. Right? Sports is, is so tremendously important. It teaches you, you know, commitment. You know that good things don't go overnight. You have to like go to the gym, work for it. You know when it hurts, it's the time and you have to continue to push yourself because now you're breaking out of the system. You're breaking out of your comfort zone, Right. Being comfortable, being uncomfortable is, is where growth happens in sports. So it's all the things you learn there about self-discipline, commitment, mindset, visualization. I've used all that and wrapped it into business and it's helped me to grow. And I've learned and implemented all these things first in sports and then realized that to bring it over. And um, there is no difference between being a successful athlete and being a success successful entrepreneur. It's the same foundation. So like you said, playing it as sports, that is really what it is, right? It is it's just a form of sport. It might not be, you know, as active uh, physically, but mentally it's pretty much the same than any sport. So it goes with the same things. And then it, it even cycles back to like the self-treatment. This is where a lot of entrepreneurs I see personally, you know, struggle is that 
the, the, the again going back to the barbell the balance right it's like work nutrition sleep balance lifestyle right you have both sides and a lot of people just focus here and then they get really unhealthy and have really bad relationships with their friends and family members because they just focus here it's about the barbell again you got a nutrient right nutrients right sleep right balance so you're not burning out and you will ultimately be successful on both sides right so this plays such a tremendous role and um a lot of entrepreneurs good successful entrepreneurs often have you know, done sports in college and I've learned a lot of these lessons that implemented. And I think everyone I talked to that has done that and has been successful in business now always say that it all started with sports and this is what they've learned. And this is why they're where they are today. Mm. You know, I have a mentor. Uh, he's actually the mentor to my mentor. This guy's name's Randy Massengale. Uh, you know, Dan Nicholson. Uh, I'm sure you've heard me talk about Dan. He wrote that book, Rigging the Game. This was Dan's mentor. His name's Randy. He was the senior advisor to Bill Gates in the early 2000s. Incredible uh, connection that this guy has. He does this, I don't know what you'd call it, but this like, he ha asks these questions anytime somebody comes into his world. And I found that this works really well when you're interviewing people is he asked them, like, what was your, what was the hobby or sport that you played growing up. Um, and I'll, I'll keep this sort of short. He uses that as a framework because a lot of times the way that we played sports growing up is the mm -hmm. same way that we probably should be playing business, but maybe we aren't, right? And again, I'm just going to bring it back to like the reason I would assume why you're so successful in business and you've done all these different things is because of your, the way you played sports growing up and the way you became a national champion and all these things. There's so much parallels there. Um, sounds like you agree, but I've found that that actually works really well when you're interviewing somebody, what was your favorite sport or hobby growing up? Hmm. And how did you play that sport or hobby? You know, I was the varsity captain basketball captain on my team and i wanted the ball in my hands in crunch time i'm gonna shoot right i was the scorer i was the offensive player i was not a great defensive player which is why i still struggle with that in my business right mm -hmm. playing defense is not my strength scoring and selling is my strength and so i started finding like oh right the same things that i struggled with in high school as a varsity captain on the basketball team i still struggle with that today mm -hmm. in business mm -hmm. And I thought that was very insightful. Uh, and now I start incorporating that anytime I work with somebody new. One of the first questions I ask was like, what was your favorite sport or hobby growing up? And how did you play? What kind of a player were you? Mm, I should have done that, man. My interviews would be hired because <laughs> they would have helped me with some headaches, I guess. Yeah, I'm sure. And it's, and it's really just like, it's getting a glimpse at the type of person that you were as a kid. You know, where before you start layering all these uh, obligations and liabilities onto our life mm -hmm. and things like this, it's like, well, that's when you're playing at your freest. So anyways, maybe you'll, maybe you can use that on your next hire, because I can tell you, you are the example of how you played sports as a, as a kid, as a young man is now how you're playing business today. So, um, Max, we've talked about a ton of stuff, man. And again, I, uh, I just, I'm impressed by all the things that you've done in such a short amount of time. So I'm sure you've accumulated quite a bit of uh, um, insight into business. Mm -hmm. I like to finish this show by asking my guests to leave the audience with your greatest lesson learned in business. Um, could also be something that you've learned fairly recently, but 
what would you say is your greatest lesson learned uh, since being in business? There's a lot of lessons. Um, what is going through my mind lately and it's really impacting, you know, through the recession is no matter how good you are or, how, you know, what success you've built, you will always have stress, right? You will never really, because you always work to that illusion that, oh, if I do like, if I own a hundred doors, I will not be stressed out, right? But you have just different issues. And um, in order to really be successful in real estate, it's, it's about the consistency. And this is like the one the one thing I've learned in the last couple of years, because ultimately you, you have, and I'm sure you know that as well, is 90% of the time, it sucks being an entrepreneur, right? You're constantly dealing with all the stress, you're having all the headaches, you have to put all the fires out. And you have these days where you just wonder yourself, like, dude, if I would just get a job and you make 100,000 a year, I'll be done at 5 p.m. I have to work until 10. I have to work on the weekends. And, you know, you have these days. And then ultimately what people see, they don't see that. They see, you know, the deals that you close, that 5%, the 10% that, you know, is out to the public, the success that you have. They don't know the journey that it, it took you to get there. And then when they are inspired by you and trying to follow your path, they obviously have to go through the same journey. There's no shortcut to it no matter how good you are, you have to go through the ups and downs because it's how you learn. You, you do the most growth in, in your downturns or during times where it just doesn't work. This is when you grow and things are good. You're just kind of sitting back and you, you think you're, you're on top of the world. So it's ultimately necessary to go through the downturns and it's extremely important to push yourself towards something where you feel like you're extremely challenged and you have to grow and overcome. And that overcoming growth is through consistency. It's about consistently educating yourself, consistently looking for deal, consistently building relationship, consistently following up, right? And anything you do in real estate, it's consistency. You can be lucky, you know, doing one cold call and get instantly a deal, but it's not really the norm. It's about the consistency. How many people can you call? How many deals can you look at? How many offers can you make? Well, I've made a hundred, we'll make 105, right? You never know if the next one is the deal that you close. It's about the consistency. And um, if you look for commercial deals for two years and you don't find a single one, but you get consistently out there, you put your name out there, you build a resume, you learn a lot from looking in those when the time comes and you're consistent, you will know if it's a deal or not. And you'll be able to take action because you've done the consistent work to get there, right? So consistency, number one. And second is being aware of like that 90% of the time, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. It will be, you know, exhausting, especially at the beginning as an entrepreneur going through the setting up the business, scaling it and, and learning all the lessons along. It takes, you know, a certain mindset um, to accomplish that. Um, and obviously most, I guess we should post more about that. Cause I think everyone is always posting about the success and then people see it on social media and like, you know, they have so much success and it seems so easy, but talking about, you know, all the days, even when you're successful, there's a lot of days where you're like not feeling the same way. And you're like, dude, it's, today was tough. You know, I gave it all, I was working 16 hour days and it's not looking so rosy. And then the next day things can change dramatically. That's, um, the illusion a lot of people have. So these are the two things I've learned a lot in the last uh, years and it's a daily reminder to myself and everyone who's trying to get started i think that is really what they need to expect and need to, need to focus on is the consistency and understanding that there will be a lot of um tough times at the beginning mm, yeah yeah we just did a show recently where we've been saying the you know 10 percent, and they're trying to um just tell me how do I get success? What's the strategy that I can implement that's going to make me that $50,000 wholesale fee, whatever, you know? Um, so they're looking for a shortcut. Mm -hmm. What we've been saying is 
Yeah, but the process is the shortcut, right? It's all about consistency. If you want a shortcut, go through the process. There is no shortcut. You're not going to find a magic bullet that's going to get you there. The The process is the actual shortcut. And 90, and 90% of the time, it's just going through the process, right? And you're only seeing, you know, I say you, like people that are kind of watching us on social media, they see that 10% of the time and they don't see the process. They see the result. Um, so it's just, I, I couldn't agree with that more. That is just spot on. My experience is um, the process is the shortcut. It's all about consistency and not getting caught up with the comparison trap of looking at somebody else that's built some you know, business or done some successful deal. And then our, our brains are like, wow, that looks easy. Cause you're just seeing the 10% of the iceberg that's above the water. Right. But the rest of the 90% is below the surface and you're not even seeing all that. Yeah. It's a really good point. This is also like what we have really like focused on in our coaching and I've never seen a coaching that has done it, but we have those Monday calls and these are like really just fundamental calls. These are really vulnerable. And we're talking about that 90% that people don't see, right? What are the struggles you're going through right now? You talk about a lot of mindset, all the foundation things I've learned in sports because people just slip through it, but they always focus, you know, what's the next strategy? How can I close this deal? But if, you know, the basics, just like having the right mindset, believing in yourself and it's, you know, doing downtown times, just having people that have gone through it and talk about it honestly and don't always like pretend everything is fine and you're just killing it. Just say like, hey, you know, this week was totally shitty. I have these thoughts right now and what should I do next? And you know, that has, you know, at the beginning, I've seen some of our students, they felt like, you know, what we talk about mindset, but over time, like after a couple of weeks, these are like, I guess, some of their favorite calls because you're just vulnerable, you're honest, and everyone is giving feedback. And I think they learn the most there that helps them in the other calls and talk about strategies to implement because that's the most important thing, but there's no shortcut. You got to do the processes. You got to go through it. Everyone has the same emotions, no matter how successful you are. And overcoming that quickly is going to help you to implement the actual strategies more efficiently and, and quickly and being more successful, right? Yep. Love it, man. So Max, how can people, if they want to connect with you, they want to learn more about your coaching, they want to learn more about some of the creative deals you're doing, how can they get in touch with you and uh, learn more about you? Coaching will be at volmacoaching.com. My last name, volmacoaching.com. We are having a little landing page that can you know, send, um, watch the video and fill out the application to just hop on a call with me and, and see if we can add value. We don't take any, everyone. We just look at the people that have the right you know, foundation because there's a lot of one-on-one -on -one efforts. Um, I do like one-on-one -on -one calls and those kind of things. So it's really one-on-one -on -one driven and I want to make sure they are successful and we're doing, you know, joint venture opportunities. We're giving really like the full insight of everything we've done. So it's a little bit more selective. Um, that is one way. And then just social media, as you guys seen, we put a lot of content out there. We put a lot of focus on there of like, you know, educating people and adding value and showing the day-to-days of what we're doing. So um, we have a lot of, lot of stuff that every single day that we put out. So Max underscore Volmer, be my personal. And then we have Katie underscore Max underscore Volmer. That will be like the one between me and my wife. So there's also, you know, a female side of things. She shows her things and she's attracting a whole different audience there. And you know, anyone who's female who wants to get started in real estate sometimes helps seeing somebody who's not a man. Uh, talking about the things and the things that she's learned and she's doing amazing there so that's what we do we do a lot of you know social media obviously instagram tiktok facebook's all the same um usernames so they can find us there we post on all platforms also youtube and then of course the, the coaching or 
they can go directly to you and you can connect them to my email, my phone number. If they have specific questions or a deal or anything they need help with, I'm the last person that is not going to spend time and, uh, you know, help somebody else out because that's what I love doing. Mm. Yeah, I think there's like a blurred out naked picture of you on social media now, too, that I saw recently. <laughs> you were talking about something about a date or something like that. Yeah, yeah. We do some funny videos, too, right? Because obviously it's about the audience. Um, I guess like when we started with real estate or with social media, it was like, you know, what what is social media? Again, it's got going to the barbell, right? Yeah, of course, you can just do like real estate videos and talk about all the deals we do, blah, blah, blah. Then it's just like, then it's just a real estate page. We want it to be something personal. So we do, you know, we have training videos, we have workout, we have uh, obviously like lifestyle videos and we also have the fun thing because Katie and I, we are we're young and we like to do like funny TikTok videos and just have fun and uh, do like funny videos and you know, post them there and show people and especially, you know, TikToks and stuff like that. So it's a whole package, right? They go on our social media and they see who we truly are um, as a business person, as an athlete, as a, you know, husband, wife. And, and young uh, entrepreneurs. So we want to give the full package and do something different, right? You don't see a lot of real estate pages that have the whole package. It's always like real estate, real estate, real estate, but you know nothing about the person besides that. And we wanted to like open up and be more personal in what we do in our social media. So you'll see some funky stuff out there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Y'all are doing awesome. So thank you for joining me here today, Max. It's a, it's a pleasure uh, hearing your story and you know uh, learning about your journey. Um, for everybody else that's listening, we encourage you to use the investor frame. So knowing what you know now, ask yourself, based on the conversation Max and I just had, what do you need to do differently in your business and your life so that you can get closer to the things that actually matter to you without chasing more and more? Uh, and also, if you get a chance, you can join our community. Max did a whole freaking amazing masterclass on what was it? Seller finance. Yeah. And like, I had to like stop him. I'm like, Max, like this is going to go on for another two hours here. We're going to bring you back. So he's done, he's done, got some amazing content inside of our world cup community. You guys can get that there. We'll have all these links to get in touch with him if you want to learn more about it, but thanks for joining me today, Max. It was a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me, Paul. I appreciate you. All right, guys. Thanks for 